0: What is up, my friends? I am so excited to share this podcast with you today. First of all, it's May and May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And what a great way to kick off the first podcast of this month with these two gentlemen. Today I'm speaking with Jeremy and McCall, and they are from the Golden Spoon podcast and this podcast you must listen to it this the golden spoon podcast is about there are two guys that are there to help anyone who struggles with the largest internal problems all the way down to small day in and day out bumps in the road they have come to the conclusion that everyone who has a heart beating inside them deserves to get all forms of mental health help counseling and love. So pick up a tiny golden spoon and dig a little deeper with them on your journey. They truly are incredible guys. I loved our conversation and I am so excited to share with all of you today. Welcome to the Trudeau Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Dirksen, and this podcast is all about getting inspired and empowering yourself to be the hero of your story while feeling incredible from the inside out. Hello, Jeremy and McCall. Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you guys.
1: Hey, how's it going? It's good to talk to you too. We're excited a, to be here as well.
0: Awesome! So you guys have a podcast called The Golden Spoon, and Correct. I want I want to talk about that. Where did that come from?
2: Um. Well, first, oh, I'll explain a little bit about the title, and then we can go into uh the a, a specific event that actually kind of kickstarted the whole thing. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with spoon theory in like mental health, as far as like having so many slotted spoons per day. Uh, versus a normal person and you know like say for instance myself who have a mental illness I may start off with six spoons a day versus someone who's starting off with 10 and I'm gonna you know maybe burn up one or two of my spoons just getting ready for work and everything so by the time I'm done with work and all that I'm pretty much out of spoons and I'm having to grab into next day you know they don't just like you know, reload or anything like that, you're having to pull basically your energy and everything from the next day over just to make it until nine o'clock that night until you go to bed. When someone with a normal amount of spoons is able to handle and do every task that they can. And, you know, everybody has a bad day and a good day, but when you have a mental illness and, and also a physical illness, you're struggling, you know, every single day just to do the normal things that people just don't, you know, I guess take for granted in a sense, and then uh, you want to speak on the event that came about?
1: Yeah, so you explained spoon theory and uh, the golden spoon is that person that you can call no matter what time of night, a guy, a girl, whoever, um, and they will help you out. That is your little secret weapon and it's smaller than all the other spoons, but your golden spoon is your, are your people that you can call on when you need something. Um, But the event that happened, um, we were all hanging out and trying to figure out what we were going to do a podcast about, and we got a text message from a mutual friend that was done with life and gave us the passcode and everything, and so we had to respond pretty quickly, and uh, this was a young person that we know, and that kind of sparked us getting into mental health advocacy and wanting people to have better personal growth methods and tools to use. So they're not feeling trapped and just can't talk about their issues aloud or with other people. Cause we kind of felt like, um, every day, uh, nobody really talks about the problems and issues and they just harbor those things. And so the golden spoon podcast, Uh, was a way for us to be like hey it's okay not to be okay because that's kind of our saying that
2: yeah it's our little slogan is just letting everybody know that you know there's there's more than just a bad day there's there's times where people are going months sometimes a years without you know getting the help or speaking out for you know needing that break for mental health and unfortunately there's you know the suicide rate is increasing every year and by the way, we did stop this, the friend that we were speaking of, uh, from the suicide attempt and, you know, he got the help he needed and is, you know, seeing a psychiatrist and all that. And that was like, there's gotta be more people out there than this one situation that we encountered. And we thought, well, a podcast is probably the fastest and easiest way for us to broadcast around the world and letting people know about you know, not being okay and that it's fine and that you can just go to someone and talk to them and also to kind of train the other person on the other side to be acceptant of that person coming to you for help and you know take those five minutes or whatever or pick up that phone call when they when they're you know they call you twice and then send you a text, call and check in on people because it's that one moment that you have could change their day or could save their life at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: So from that experience, you've got to create a really cool platform to help so many people. I am I just had a conversation with someone today talking about, you know, everything really happens for a reason. And, you know, that experience with your friend, and thankfully, you know, he is still with you. Um, But that experience really led to this, this podcast, which if you haven't listened to, listen to, because I've been listening to a lot of it. And you guys are really vulnerable. And you share a lot, obviously really great information, but you truly live and breathe that idea or that, that, that it's okay to not be okay because you're in that same
2: space. Yeah. And, and we've, we've got, you know, tremendous amount of feedback from all around the world. Then a lot of it is like, people are so amazed and, you know, proud that two men are talking about mental health. And like you said, being so vulnerable and open about it. there's been a couple episodes where you know i've actually teared up and things that we're trying to say and that's what you know we're we're, it's for everyone it's male female young you know child everything but elderly
1: middle-aged people because we get a lot of uh you know being raised in the south a lot of parents and adults usually tend to you know have the rub some dirt on it, you'll be fine mentality, yeah. and we're kind of trying to break that stigma along with, a you know, a couple other handfuls of stigmas, but
2: that's been proven that that mentality doesn't work, that, yeah. you know, we can't rub dirt and everything and just keep pushing on, um, I mean, there's, there's plenty of time in a day, because, I mean, just 20 minutes talking to someone and being there for them, you know, to have them for the rest of your life, you just, you know, it seems so powerful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know when we first initially met before this recording, that's what I said, you know, two men talking about this is really powerful and it's so needed in our world, right? We need these conversations. We need you like people, more people like you, like really showing the world it's okay to talk about this kind of stuff. It's okay to not feel good, but let's have a conversation around it so we can help each other.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's You would actually be surprised when you open up and then the other person is accepting it as well and they have a similar story or a situation that they went to that they can relate to that you didn't even think that, you know, maybe it could be a drug addiction or something. Somebody at work that you, you know, never thought of that. They're like the perfect model of, you know, life and everything's great with them and they have the perfect marriage and all that. But then when you're like, man, I'm just not feeling it today. You know, I'm going through a divorce and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they spill their guts on you as well. And you're, you know, you just, I guess you bond that much closer with someone that used to be a total stranger when you you know first started that job.
1: Yeah, you have that connection. You're able to, to open yourselves up. And, yeah, you know, I think it's good that we are very vulnerable um, because what Jeremy said, it allows other people to understand that, hey they're being vulnerable why can't I with somebody else or with them or you know with my mom or dad or my significant other or, or my children and let them know like hey you know you can come to me and tell me these problems that you're having
0: yeah so have you experienced any like you said you know you're from the south and there's a certain mentality have you guys experienced any kind of backlash from people on what you're doing um
2: not yet really uh we've had like of course some close friends and you know kind of sternly I guess question what we're actually doing (laughs) and you know and it was kind of more like um, almost like a test I guess in the sense that like they wanted to make sure that we knew what we were getting into and how I mean because we're not you know me and him don't have a degree we're not psychologists and The only experience I have is, you know, drugs and alcohol um, problems in my past and then being diagnosed with a mental illness and all the therapy and psychiatrists and psychologists hospital visits and everything, you know, I've just more, I've been in the system rather than, you know, actually being a medical professional, helping other people. And we do, you know, make sure we tell people that in our episodes, like, we're here just, you know, being vulnerable and letting everyone know, you know, what's going on and where the health is and what they, what they need to do. We're not actually, you know, prescribing medicine or anything like that, or trying to walk people through certain types of therapy or anything like that. You know, we don't get that detailed with it. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, it's more of a, just a, the general audience of saying, Hey, you know, let's get mental health as high as physical health is, as far as priorities go.
0: Yeah, and have a conversation about it. So, Jeremy, can you speak to your diagnosis? So, you were diagnosed with bipolar and severe depression, correct?
2: Yes. Um. So, my first hospital visit was when I was twenty-five. Um. I'm thirty-three now, so people can use that as a cage. But, um, unfortunately, it was a long visit at the hospital, and or you know, the psych ward and by the end of it because they were so overcrowded um i didn't have a diagnosis they just sent me home with um one type of medicine to like help with anxiety and then i just kind of kept pushing through uh, with life and i was still married at the time then and then shortly after my divorce i had another episode um where i was uh had an episode of psychosis and I was admitted to a different hospital. And before I even woke up from my sedation, they had me diagnosed, um, bipolar, actually, then it was bipolar mix. Um, but there was just by my, my, behavior and they talked a little bit with my family and everything. And just by that, they knew for a fact that it was bipolar and it was definitely, uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I wouldn't lie, but also a small amount of relief to know that, okay, I'm different than other people and that's okay. You know, it sucks because bipolar is a chronic illness and I'll have it until the day I die. But, you know, with tons of different meds and continuously going to my psychiatrist and seeing my therapist and everything and working through, I'm actually finally on the right cocktail of medicine. So that was that diagnosis was at 27. And then I had one more hospital visit where I actually admitted myself, um, where I got off uh, one of my meds and I wasn't, comfortable around myself and uncomfortable being alone in my own house I didn't on, honestly didn't trust myself so I went ahead and drove and admitted myself and you know, I was only there for about three or four days and it was more of like a med adjustment and they helped me get back on my meds but since then uh I've been stable and everything now for I believe three years um and I just at first I was a little bit quiet about it you know like work related here at Alabama we're in at will state. You can get fired for no reason. They don't have to give you an excuse. So, like, there's, you know, I didn't want to tell my employers, you know, didn't want to tell my employees just in case they ratted me out and everything. So, and I didn't want to be judged in a sense. But there's, you know, three separate occasions throughout my life that I shouldn't be here on earth anymore. And I finally realized that I needed to do something with that. I can help a whole lot more people telling my story and becoming open and vulnerable with people and letting them know that, hey, it sucked. It was a long journey to get to where I'm at now, but I'm glad that I did what I did and I'm still got breath in my lungs.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. It's a, it's relieving when you have the answers, right? I mean, it's not, it's not easy and it doesn't make you happy, but it's, there's almost like a relief to have the answer of like, okay.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. And I was able with that, you know, like I said, it was bipolar mix at first, but then working back and forth with my psychologist and, you know, seeing, and psych- yeah, psychologists and psychiatrists and looking at my behaviors and everything and me being, that's another thing is being open and honest with your health professional. Mm-hmm. You know, there at the beginning, I was just literally just telling them, yeah, I feel great. You know, I'm fine. Cause I didn't want to be on medicine. I didn't even like taking ibuprofen when I was like growing up and stuff. I just wasn't a pill guy. Yeah. And so I was just like, I just wanted like one pill, maybe like minimum, like once a day if I can. And then, you know, I had that mindset going into it at first. But when I was actually honest with him and, hey, you know, I, I spend days in bed sometimes, I go a week without showering, you know, I'll drive down the road and, you know, have suicidal ideations mm-hmm. where, you know, every day still even medicated. And that's, we had an episode about it to let people know that these are normal thoughts. Even people without mental illness have suicide ideations, you know, and that's fine. You need to process those, accept them, and then move on from them and don't act on them. so when i was open and honest with them about that that's when it kind of tipped the scales over into bipolar one which is the bad you know the worser of the two and then with severe depression so
0: um so i actually was going to bring up that episode on the suicidal ideations because i think that was such a great conversation and what you just said you know even if you don't you don't have a mental illness some people still have those thoughts and I know like women going through menopause they're when their hormones start going all different places and they're not, they're kind of out of whack. A lot of women have those thoughts and they've never had them before. And lots of people do, right? Life gets hard and we just think it's just easier. And McCall, one of the things that you said in that episode that really like struck with me was not to say to those people but everything would be, you know, you can't, you're going to leave all your family behind. You're going to leave all this behind. Like, how could you do that? Like not to put that judgment or shame on them.
1: Yeah. The, you, you can't put that judgment or shame on them. Uh, and you just have to be that friend to them. And, you know, if they if so choose to get help, they can get help. And, you know, you, that you're kind of there for them to be their support system. And I think that's important because you can't just uh you know doubt down talk them or just uh, be negative and just put that uh, added because when you do that you put that added pressure above their head and then that kind of just uh harkens the situation a little bit more you know you're not actually giving them like positive thoughts to look at like oh yeah my family would miss me that just adds more stress to them and be like Oh, God, you know, like, then they get into this wor- bigger whirlwind than they already were.
2: And I, and I really hate the people that, like, like come from the motivational speaker standpoint and just be like, oh, well, you're just oppressed. You got to push through this and all these other things. It's like, no, let's not ignore it. Let's figure out why that, that thought came up while you're driving down the road. You know, the, can yeah. it boil back to an argument? Can it be because you just had your first kid and you don't know what the heck you're going to do? Or, I mean, is it because you had a flat tire on the way to work and you get so frustrated because your car is always breaking down? Like, you know, kind of rewind your brain and trace back to, you know, like I said, it's totally normal, you know, to have that. Everyone has those thoughts. It's just no one wants to admit them. And that's when we kind of, you know, figured, let's just go ahead and do an episode about that. That's something I feel like people need to hear, especially men, because I know there's several men, especially blue collar guys that are just white knuckling it every day trying to push through and providing for their families, which is great, but they're just pushing all these thoughts under the rug. And unfortunately, like me, when I was 25, it was literally a chemical imbalance in my brain of just bottling up for so long that I couldn't control anymore. And I was like parading around a parking lot. I was full blown psychotic. I was about to get tased by police and everything. And those were literally just chemicals. Like there's no drug. They tested me for drugs and alcohol. When I got to the hospital, I was sober. I was clean, nothing in my system. it was scary to understand that, you know, our brains can kind of fight against us if we're not fully open and honest with ourselves.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like, hey, you're not paying attention to me and like all the signals I've been giving you. So now this is what you're going to get. So you have to pay. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
2: yeah, basically.
0: (laughs) So I want to kind of talk a little bit about the stigma around mental health, because, you know, people and I my opinion, and I'd love to hear what you guys think of this is that people don't understand it right people judge what they don't understand or ignore what they don't understand so for years people don't want to talk about it cuz they don't understand it they can't understand somebody you know running around in the parking lot who might not be who's not drunk or high on drugs right like to like to somebody else who's not experiencing that and so it's I easy think, for them to ignore it what do you think
2: I think the biggest is you you uh kind of touched on a little bit is that people can't understand what they can't see With a physical illness, you know, you can see someone's leg that was amputated or Or you can understand that they have cancer because they're going through chemo and they're bald and lost their hair. You know, there's so many different things that you can physically see their symptoms and you can be empathetic towards them. But when it comes to like the big one or like the small ones, like anxiety and depression, which is just rampant throughout the U.S. or around the world, really. And you can't see it. And what's bad is that sometimes it's the people that look the most happy at your job. Or the ones that are joyful all the time, those are actually the ones that are medicated and are suffering from depression, having to go to a therapist every week. And they're hiding it because we've all been raised in a society to not show any type of weakness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in order to show depression, you have to, in a sense, it looks lazy or, you know, oh, you just don't want to do that. You'd much rather lie in bed. It's no, I would love to get up and go to work. I would love to go do the things with you that you're doing. I love to go to the movies with you. It's just that I can't change the chemicals in my brain and swap them around and just, you know, boom, all of a sudden we're happy and healthy, you know, and I hate to try to like be argumentative. I was like that way a lot before because people (laughs) would just be like, oh, well, you know, just, you know, be happy, just do this. And I'm like, okay, yeah." the next time you cut your hand, just stare at that cut and tell it to be healed and then watch it grow back together. Uh I would love (laughs) to see you do that. (laughs) You,
1: you asked earlier you know if we had any critiques or anything from people that we know or any place like that, and yeah, what Jeremy said is true. Um, but to add to that, you know, when you get those people that don't understand the concepts and things like that of mental health, it, it is very difficult for them to just like under like accept that it is something internal and. And we've met some people that are very, you know, they're either on the fence, they're on one side of the fence or the other. And those people that are on the other side of the fence and we're trying to explain to them, we have to climb up over the fence and get on top of the fence and like reach down and be like, Hey, this is how, you know, this works because this or that, or like spoon theory. We had somebody ask us about the spoon theory and they were just like grilling us. And I'm like, you can do things sometimes like if you relax or you know meditate you may gain a little bit of energy but it's not a whole spoon that you're regaining back it's just an ounce of energy that's not recharging you you know when you get recharged you're eating you're sleeping you're resting and so those are where your spoons get recharged but he was having a very hard time you know being able to comprehend that and and jeremy had to walk away cuz i know jeremy is not a confrontational person so i had you know i stepped in and i was like i see jeremy is like not having a good time here so i stepped in and and just let him slide away and i took over you know the conversation
2: yeah it's uh and the ways like i guess to try to simple it down to for people like that to understand at least from my standpoint is i tell them you know, get in your car and put a tray down in your passenger seat and put a glass full of bacon soda and a glass full of vinegar and then drive down the road. And when you hit a bump, those two chemicals are going to splash together and they're going to start to fizz, causing a chemical reaction. Now, I want you to try to stop that chemical reaction while still driving down the road and, you know, just get control of the situation and everything. And the only way to really do that is to neutralize those chemicals, like with water or another, you know, medicine or something like that and then they'll go back to normal and you can keep driving until you hit another bump in the road. So it's not only the fact that I'm having to take medication to help level chemicals in my brain, but I'm also still dealing with my symptoms every day. It doesn't make my symptoms go away. I'm still bipolar. I still have days fully medicated where I wake up depressed and, you know, more suicidal thoughts, or, you know, there's some days where I'm manic because of the other side of bipolar. You know, I can't control what my brain is going to decide to do that day. And like McCall said, I can meditate. I can have all my grounding techniques for if I get too anxious and having a panic attack. I have all the tools necessary to survive. But that's literally what I'm doing is I'm surviving bipolar every day. It's not that I'm trying to cure it, you know, hopefully by within the next month or two. I'm having to deal with it. And then thankfully, with the help of medication, it keeps everything in check. So I don't have to have as many hospital visits as I did in the past.
0: Yeah, I really, really like that analogy you used in the car, um, because you, yeah, and what you said, what people don't see, they don't understand, they can't wrap their head around it, and that's so, so true. And I think that's a huge, well, is probably like the biggest reason why people just, they don't get it, and they don't want to have the conversation because they can't talk about it because they don't understand it.
1: Yeah. So what? Very true
0: what would you, what do you do for yourself? I mean, and, and I kind of like two parts of this question for you, Jeremy, because you, you do have bipolar, severe depression. What, when you do wake up with those days, what do you do? And also what kind of things would you encourage other people? So, and people who don't have a mental illness, but still have suicide ideations, or just really are struggling with their mental health, what kind of tools or tips can you provide those people? Because I think a lot, you know, I think the world right now is so on high stress, high demand, so overexhausted. And so, so many people might not have a mental illness, but so many people are struggling with their mental health.
2: So the best way I can describe it, like, say when I wake up and we'll use depression to start with, and, you know, let's say someone just lost a loved one. And they have a reason to be sad. They, they need to grieve. They need to cry. They need to talk. They need to you know think about that person's life and how much of an impact they had on them. So that's a normal emotion to have. So when I wake up and I'm depressed and let's say, for example, someone just gave me a million dollars the day before, but I wake up and I'm still depressed. I remind myself that, Hey, this is something that I'm not controlling. It's something that is totally out of my nature It's the chemicals in my brain. And when I put myself back in check with that, that, you know, I'm kind of fighting my brain in a sense, um, I'm not, you know, pushing through or anything or just ignoring the fact that it's there, you know, cause the depression will be there all the way. You know, I don't know how long it'll last. I've had depression last up to three months before without no break. And so I'll just remind myself throughout the day, Hey, I am, you know, I feel the way I feel because of, you know, my diagnosis and the way those chemicals are reacting And then because I'm such an open book now and spread my, you know, garbage around with everybody, like people at my (laughs) work, like they know some of the things to look for. Like if I'm real quiet or like clammed up or anything, um, it's not that they like ignore me or, you know, they don't want to bug me. It's like, oh, let's not try to trigger the guy with mental illness. It's just they'll come up and be like, hey, man, you all And I'm just like, yeah, just, you know, and a lot of them, like a guy I'm real close to at work, I just say, hey, it's just one of them days. And he said, all right, I got you, you know, know, anything. He might pick up my slack a little bit. He might, you know, continuously to check on me through the day. He may go grab me a burger without me knowing, you know, trying to help release a little bit of that serotonin, you know, like a surprise or a gift or something. Because it's, you know, like I said, it's nothing that I did. It's nothing he did or anybody else did to me. So I just have to know that the chemical will, you know, eventually level back out and I'll be, you know, my normal self again. And it's something that, say, if it lasts a week, you know, especially now that I'm stable or I'm as stable as I am, if it lasts more than a week, then I'm definitely letting my psychiatrist know. So, you know, there may be a med adjustment. I may need, may need to get blood work done to see where my levels are, you know. So I, I make her aware of that, too, especially on the depression side. <clears throat> um, but as far as, like, anxiety, which is, I know people that deal with crippling anxiety 24-7 and are medicated and still have to deal with it. Uh, fortunately, um, I do have anxiety, but it's not continuous and not extreme all the time. But if it gets to the point where, you know, it's affecting my breathing and my thought process, cloudy vision, um, or blurry vision, uh, kind of like waves looking or whatever, like radiating. I know that, you know, I need to sit down and I have like a grounding technique that I know a lot of therapists teach of, uh, You know, it's like your five senses. So you look for something that you can touch and then so grab it, recognize it, feel it, understand what it is, you know, set it down and then look for something you can taste. If there's nothing around you currently, think of something that you can taste and how that, you know, strawberry would taste in your mouth and let your mouth, you know, water and everything for the strawberry and then grab something that you can smell. And then before you grab it, go ahead and try to think about what is this going to smell like before I smell it? What is the last time I smelled it? how you know what was the scent that it was given me same thing with seeing you know you look for something you basically break down all your senses and by the time you get down to the bottom uh, or get get to the fifth one then you're just basically you know kind of calm you're like decompressing your brain almost and reorganizing it in a sense
0: yeah i love that (laughs) <laughs> I was, i'm like writing notes as you're speaking
1: <laughs> yeah grounding techniques are always good doing a simple breathing meditation is fantastic i mean you could sit after you get done with work or on your lunch break and just do a simple breathing uh, meditation one of my things that i mean you know That I do to get out of my mind is photography, and I go take pictures of nature because that gets me out of my headspace, and that's always fun. Because, uh, just, uh, recently we had somebody on, and uh, she was a photographer as well, and we had a good conversation about you know you can still see the photographer through the photo, even though they're not actually they're not in the actual picture. Yeah. But uh, you can see how the perspective and how they they look at that uh, piece of art or uh, person or nature that they've just taken a picture of. And you can see them through that photo and you can visualize how they may have thought about what they're taking a picture of. So I like to go hike and take pictures and be in nature. That always gets me usually out of my headspace.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I I like to move my body. Like I like to work out, go outside, touch nature, be around nature, right. Breathe in fresh air. I tried recently to um get, I'm not really crafty, but I tried. And it's like this pin needle craft thing. And I think it just stressed me out even more. I had to stop halfway through I was So angry. <laughs> it kept breaking. It was terrible. I was like, this is not going to calm me down.
2: Uh, something actually, uh, since we're all talking about things we do, um, me and my daughter got some sketching pads and cause I always wanted to be somewhat of a drawer and I still can't draw with a flip, but I went into it with the mindset that this is my personal sketch pad. It doesn't matter, you know, what I put in it. It doesn't matter how it looks or turns out, you know, I can draw the same thing for five pages straight and I can see, you know, how good I was or how bad I was and, to me that just like gave me more peace that this is something that I have no idea what I'm doing have no training in or nothing but I'm going into it you know with no expectations Mm -hmm. and that was very calming I guess for me that I can grab that little black uh, sketchbook and just kind of stare at the tv and you know sit there and try to draw the outlines and everything but then you know not judge myself if the tv's you know one side of it's taller than the other you know okay that's fine I'll try a little bit better next time. You know, I don't have to try to like, I don't have an eraser either. So I, I find that really neat that whatever I turn up with is what it, what is it's going to be.
0: Mm-hmm. And I love that you set that intention ahead of time. Right. And I think that's key is when it's like, I'm not going to judge myself. It doesn't matter how it turns out or looks. I'm doing this for like the, the calming purposes of it. I think it's really powerful too.
2: Yeah. That, was, that was something I actually used to um, get a little break from social media and distance myself because i realized like a lot of my downtime i was immediately grabbing my phone and scrolling through you know different social medias and just sitting there for like three hours looking at stuff that was you know doing nothing to my brain than just like literally highs and lows you can watch a video of a baby being born and like all these exciting things and a gender reveal or something and then boom, someone just lost their parent on the next video or whatever. And it's just a roller coaster of going up and down, which wasn't healthy for any of our brains. Yeah. So I was like, I need something that is just not brain numbing in a sense, but just so easy well, more that creative. I can just relax. Yeah, exactly. Something more
1: creative than than brain numbing because that one specific app, now there are other apps that copy it, but you know, there's, there's one specific app where you could go through every emotion. And, and like you said, our brains aren't trained to be that quick with that, like, that stark difference of emotion. Like it's very hard for your brain to process that in such a quick time.
2: And unfortunately that one app is used a lot by children and teenagers and your brain's not fully developed until 25 years of age. So anything that you're doing from zero to 25, all those ups and downs and flashes and, you know, bright lights and darkness and everything like that is doing permanent damage or, you know, setting in stone the way your brain's going to be wired for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, and plus every yeah, what your brain is consuming from that content like uh yeah. <laughs> we could talk a lot a lot about that. But.
2: Oh yeah, no, yeah, it's a whole episode. Yeah. This,
0: so. It's kind of scary when you really think about it.
2: For it like It is, people. yeah.
0: Yeah. The other day I thought the same thing. I was like, why I, it's like habitual, right? You grab your phone and you open up the app, you start scrolling. And I was just like, no, what am I doing? Like I have 10 minutes between my next meetings. I'm just going to go for a little quick walk on my treadmill. It's like right beside the yeah. office. And I'm just going to go do that. Like, I don't need to go get a sweat on, but it's just something that's going to make me feel good. Like be in my own head, think about things, set my intention for my next meetings. Like I'm just trying to be more mindful about how I'm spending my time so it's not just mindless scrolling
1: yeah and then you can get stuck on that you know those apps for hours and you miss your meeting you know that could happen (laughs) as well so (laughs) you definitely don't want to do that yeah
0: that's awesome Jeremy uh, Jeremy and McCall sorry I almost made it sound like one word (laughs) (laughs) that's fun (laughs) Thank you guys so much. I truly love what you guys are doing in the world. I love your podcast. I love that you're so open and vulnerable. And I love that it's your perspectives. Like it's not coming from um, a professional in the field, right? It's really coming from your own experience and your experiences helping out people you know and and people who contact you and uh, through through social media or friends and conversations that you have and like how you guys actually live and feel and I think there's so much power into sharing experience because it makes people feel like they're not alone. It's one thing I know and I and I love professionals and I'm getting professional help hundred percent but when we hear them telling us what to do or what, like what you, what, how you're feeling, that's one thing. But when you actually hear it from someone who's going through the same thing or something very similar, that's like, Oh, that just like is so much more healing and empowering and helpful. So I love, love what you guys are doing. And I'm so happy. You, you gave me some time today to chat with me.
2: Oh, well, thank you for having us.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having us on. I mean, we're appreciative of you for even, you know, thinking
2: of us as guests so
0: well thank you any last words you want to say to the listeners
2: I think we uh I think we pretty much nailed it. or we brought it up with like I always like to throw in that short little simple quote of you know it's okay not to be okay you know it's just remember that I mean that's one thing I've repeated to myself going through all my you know years of different medications and all that is that hey this is okay because I know that I'm not okay That's totally fine. And I'm working every day to try to make it better for myself.
1: Right. I love that. And uh, check on, uh, check on your support system. Make sure you have a good support system. Make sure you are a good supporter to other people because we are not uh, individuals trying to live an individual life. We're all living, you know, similarly and going through similar things. So make sure you check on those people.
0: Absolutely. I love it. Thank you guys. You're
1: Thank so you. So
2: welcome.
0: If you liked what you heard on today's podcast, then hit that subscribe button and head over to the trueduewlifestyle.com website to learn more about what we do.